Brother Jeff has asked that we mark song 340, and we're happy to do that and use that at the proper time in our service this evening. As always, how delighted and thankful we each are to be able to assemble and to gather. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go up unto the house of the Lord, the opening phrase of the 122nd Psalm. As we come to this part of our lesson this evening, as you'll notice probably in the bulletin as well as the wall to my left, we'll be giving some consideration to a study of memory. M-E-M-O-R-Y over the next few moments this evening. A study of memory using Jude verse 17 as the thrust and as the motivating text behind our lesson tonight. Isn't it interesting to at least reflect a few moments about the nature of memory, perhaps as prompted by some of these comments. In 1 Peter 1 verse 16 we read, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That statement was made by God, quoted by Peter, based on Leviticus chapter 19. And the expression in that places a tremendous responsibility upon each and every one of us. To live in a way of holiness, to live in a way in which we can appreciate the glorious grandeur of God's blessings to us and strive to live up to the calling that He has exhibited toward us. It is with that in mind that we do come to this mention of memory. I believe we'd all quickly agree that it is a great blessing. It comes with a great deal of duty. It also comes with a tremendous possible advantage to our lives. And and there you'll notice that one of the statements that we shall agree to as we move through the lesson is this. God is mindful, of course, of the memory and the blessing of it that He has given us, but He has also placed expectations upon it. He does expect us to use that gift of memory in a way that benefits our service and His cause. I would invite you to think with me tonight about some of the things the Bible has to say about memory. To do that, or at least to begin that, might we begin in the following way. First, a simple observation that memory does matter. That is to say, it is something significant. I'm sure some of you may be like some of us at our household or perhaps at work. We've come into an age in which computers are so very useful. Many things that we do, in fact, attaches to the usability of a computer. And yet, when the memory of that computer is insufficient, that is to say it isn't enough to run the operating system or otherwise, or when that memory is in some way defective, it almost renders the computer as useless. It certainly renders it to be an annoyance. It renders it to be far less capable than it would otherwise be. I wonder if maybe our memory isn't the same way. If we don't properly use the memory God has given us, if it's not tailored to the things that God would have it tailored to, might we also be living beneath our privileges? Might we also be living beneath the standard that God would wish us to uphold? I would invite you to look with me at some of these comments. Perhaps it might be surprising that the word memory or some form of it occurs over 300 times in the Bible. Over 300 times words like remember, words like memory, words like memorial or something else that in fact derives from that basic word nonetheless occurs. And it's easy thus to see in both Old and New Testament that memory is something that has been important throughout all the ages of time. It is with that in mind that we might take just a moment and distinguish that memory that God has given us. 
we understand that the various forms of life that exist upon this planet, all set forth by the handiwork and creative activity of God, are such that human beings are vastly different in many ways, but one of them is memory. We know that an animal like a dog can learn things by instinct and no doubt recall certain things, but in terms of learning the basic lessons of life, learning the basic character of one's own being and the obligations that one has, a dog or a cat will never learn such. But yet by virtue of memory, you and I can remember events, places, people in the distant past and also recall lessons vital that you and I have learned from them. And not only that, implant deeply in our mind the features and characters of those things that would be in accordance to God's Word and use them day by day to assist us to live more holily, righteously, and godly. To quote a part at least of Titus 2 verse 12. It is with that in mind you might notice that some of these references to memory come with a number of interesting differences. Not the least of which would be some of the references to memory in the Bible in fact, relate to the fact God remembered something. For instance, in Genesis 8, verse number 1, on that occasion it specifically says, God remembered Noah. Here Noah and his family by that time had been some number of days in the midst of the flood waters, floating there in that ark that they had fashioned and constructed. But it says that God remembered Noah. It is shortly thereafter the flood waters began to assuage on the earth. But God remembered him, remembered that circumstance in which he was, remembered the greatness of his being aboard that ark. God remembered it. Does that not indicate that God kept in mind the thoroughness of Noah's decision, the faithfulness of he and his family, and made sure that what was made available to them would assist them in completing the journey aboard that ark? God remembered. Isn't that a sweet passage? Are you and I also not of a position to hope that God remembers us? In the trials and afflictions and difficulties of life, in the circumstances that beset us, are we not thankful that God remembers? And can we not look forward to the blessings He'll pour on those whom He does remember? Perhaps another example in Hebrews 10, 17, how thankful for that one. We each can certainly be. In a pressing passage descriptive of the New Testament covenant, the gospel of Jesus Christ, did God not promise, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews 10 verse 17. That was quoted from the heart of Jeremiah chapter 31 in the Old Testament. But God there made the statement that He would never remember the sins and iniquities of those who had come to Him through Christ. Today we each certainly rest in the reality of that promise of God that He won't remember those things. When we obtain proper forgiveness and we of course obtain proper blessing from God as a result of our doing what He has said we must do. Memory. Those passages remind us that there are certain things that God has remembered. There are many, many passages, however, that indicate there are things we must remember. For instance, in Psalm 111, verse number 4, there we find in that particular psalm the statement that God's creation and all the things that He has fashioned were made to be remembered. This that you and I appreciate about us, and isn't it pretty to watch the changing of the seasons and the fall colors about us, God made that as a reminder of Him. He is to be remembered as a result of it. 
as we appreciate the beauty, be it in that or the rainbow, Genesis chapter 9, it all points back to the reality of the one that fashioned and made all of it. And He is to be remembered as we observe it and appreciate its beauty. Perhaps another passage in Galatians 2 verse 10. On that occasion, as Paul was defending his apostleship, he himself pointed out that those in the Jerusalem church simply ask that they remember the poor. We appreciate that today we still are admonished as Christians to remember the poor, to make certain to not only remember but to ensure that their needs are satisfied under the banner of that passage in Galatians. Remembrance. We've already seen at least a few verses that encourage us to appreciate the matter of memory. With those in mind, I would invite us to study a few others as well. The last one on that slide is that interesting reminder from 2 Timothy 1 verse 3 that Paul as a Christian was so very mindful to remember his fellow brothers and sisters in prayer. How often did he comment to these congregations such as this, this particular mention and such as the one to the, to the Thessalonian congregation that I always remember thee in prayer. Paul was thankful for his brethren and so mindful was he of them that he remembered them in prayer. We hear at Pippin often, of course, as we pray here in a public fashion, the one leading us often makes mention of those on our sick list, our eldership, other concerns that come before us, and those are always noble things in which we should remember in prayer. Perhaps we should also keep in mind the needfulness in our personal prayer lives to ever be mindful of those that we could appreciate, such as our fellow brothers and our sisters in Christ. All of that does prompt us to think about many of the verses that make mention of memory. We certainly shall not be able to consider all 300 of them, but here at least is a sampling. And as we proceed through them, there are many matters that can quickly come to our mind and things that can challenge us to make usage of our memory in the proper way. First of all, you'll notice that one of the first teachings might well be the one we find in Luke 17. It is such a brief passage, only three words in it. That single verse simply says, but remember Lot's wife. When you and I recollect the context, isn't it very telling and also rather penetrating? On that occasion, there were those who had come to Jesus and asked Him a matter. And as He responded to them, He in fact laid before them the issue of the end of time, the destruction of Jerusalem, and a number of other monumental matters. In the heart of that discussion as it related to the end of time, the Lord said, Remember Lot's wife. Here was a lady whom she, of course, had been prompted to leave the homosexual city of Sodom. She'd been prompted to leave, and that she started to do. She, along with three others, Lot and her two daughters, were almost to freedom. They made it. She didn't. She looked back, became a pillar of salt, and the Lord said that's a timeless lesson for every one of us not to look back to always look forward to the reality of doing what the Lord had said and not be attached to the things of this world. Did not John write for us, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17. To think then about that interesting little lesson about memory. Might I ask each of us to reflect again on that verb Jesus used. Remember Lot's wife. She really did exist. She wasn't just made up. She wasn't just a teaching tool. Here's a person that really lived. She made a mistake. It cost her her life. Don't you ever forget it, Jesus said. Remember Lot's wife. Today, as you and I reflect on our life here, may we always remember her, striving not to, of course, emulate her mistake, but rather to learn from her mistake so that we won't make the same one. As Jesus used that teaching tool of memory, doesn't it also highlight this? From the time our Savior lived and made that statement, some 2,000 years ago now, He was referring to a woman who lived, you see, well over 2,500 years earlier. And nonetheless, the event that transpired in her life was still a timeless issue that was needful to remember. How thankful we can be that we have the record of her mistakes so that we too can remember just like Jesus admonished those of His day to do. Beyond that, might we notice some other passages such as this one. The Lord's Supper passages. It seems that each time that reference is made, be it in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, or in Paul's rebuke of the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11, there's always an emphasis upon memory. How was it the Lord stated it? This do in remembrance of me. Those are the very words on the front of that table down here in front of me. This do in remembrance of me. There's that word that relates to memory. Each time we are blessed to partake of that Lord's Supper memorial. It is to be taken, as Brother Glenn noted in his comments this morning, certainly as a highlight feature that calls to our mind the events of the cross the events of the Son of God and what He, in fact, endured for us, the shedding of His blood, the brokenness, and the abuse of His body, all of that must be something that we never allow ourselves to forget because it should be a transforming matter in our life. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We find that text in Romans 12, beginning in verse 1. As you imagine the nature of that proclamation, the beauty and power of the Lord's Supper memorial, you might reflect on some of the other memorials that occur in the Word of God. This is certainly our f- most famous New Testament one, but there were some in the Old Testament. When the children of Israel passed through the Jordan River there in Joshua chapters 2 and 3, we recall that when they did so, they were told to pick up a rock out of that river and when they got to the other side to use those rocks to erect a memorial. The reason was this. God especially told Joshua and the others that when your children and future generations ask you what's the meaning of this memorial, you tell them what God did this day. He led you through the Jordan River. He led you to the land of Canaan, the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey, and God provided this to you so that they'll always know. That has been God's emphasis on memorials, isn't it? 
One of the songs that we sang this morning as Brother Jeff led us was that song in which he said, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come. When you and I think about that word Ebenezer, that takes our mind in quick fashion to the Old Testament scene in which the Ebenezer Memorial was in fact constructed one more time as a memorial of what God had done. Hither by thy help I've come. May you and I thus use our memory in such a way that we do admonish and honor ourselves as we think about the blessings that God has provided. But beyond all of them, we notice that to the Corinthians, Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, he there was quick to say that Timothy, I have sent to you so that when he comes, you may be put in remembrance of all that God has done for me. Paul knew that God had blessed him so greatly. And in this passage, Paul wanted to share that with the Corinthians. And he said, I've sent Timothy so that you might remember. You and I have been given 27 New Testament books so that we will remember. One by one, some 260 chapters of New Testament material so that we too will always remember. You'll notice that many other things in the writings of Paul come before us. In 1 Corinthians 15 too. We read that text in our lesson this morning. We noticed then that Paul said, If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, you in fact will enjoy salvation. The Corinthians needed to keep in memory the beautiful teachings of truth, the sacrifice of Christ, and the blessing they had enjoyed. Are you and I doing that? Are we keeping it in memory? You'll notice beyond that we quickly can see many other texts from Paul. 1 Timothy 4 verse 6 lays a heavy responsibility upon those that preach, such as what I attempt to do, and others who stand in a pulpit like this one or who teach Bible classes. Paul said that any good minister should strive to put into remembrance those in his, in his audience so that they won't forget. The truths of the gospel in many ways are simple but yet profound. And yet we, as those who attempt to proclaim them, should strive to do so always with truthfulness, always with power. But one of the matters is so that all will remember. As you and I appreciate the needfulness of that memory, notice what else Paul said. In 2 Timothy 2.8, he had the earnestness to said, remember that of the seed of David, Jesus our Savior came forth. You and I then must even remember the issues surrounding the genealogy of Jesus, the features of Old Testament fulfillment that go with it, the characteristic that in fact it was a historical orchestration of the affairs of time by the God of heaven. The Lord didn't come into this world just as a plan B arrangement, just as a fly-by-night matter if you please. 4,000 years of history had been orchestrated by the hand of the God of heaven, and when the Lord came, it fulfilled passages like these. Galatians 4.4 4 says, But in the fullness of time God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. That phrase, fullness of time, what made the time full in 4 B.C. when Jesus was born? What made the time full in 30 A.D. when the Lord was crucified? What made the time full in 30 A.D. when the church began? You'll notice it fulfilled passages and prophecies, and it was the fullness of time. It may well be that those issues take us to some other things that we're admonished to remember. 
You'll notice in Hebrews 13 verse 3, we're admonished to remember those in prison. Not only in our prayers, but in the appreciation of the plight under which they are and striving to assist if at all it is our possibility. We're also in that same chapter admonished to remember our elders, those that have the rule over us. As we pray for them and pray for their wisdom and the matters of truth that they lead in the way that they should, we're to remember them. Their job comes with much responsibility. It comes with much duty. As we appreciate all of those passages, isn't it easy to see there are many things we need to be remembering. One last element on that slide before we move to another. Peter's emphasis. Four verses in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, continuing to verse 15. There are many things in that brief little section. In fact, three times in those four verses. Peter was very quick to say, as long as I am in this body, I will always put you in remembrance. Paul considered putting those in remembrance as a very careful duty of a preacher, an apostle, one desirous of leading others to Christ. I will endeavor always to put you in remembrance of these things, though you knew them. These brethren had been blessed because they had heard the truth, others had preached to them, but Peter said, you need to be reminded. Randy needs reminding too. And I'm sure that like me, you need the same. All of us need constant reminding because the devil strives to distract us, to lead us down the pathways of evil and error and sinfulness. And in so doing, we may well forget the things that we once enjoyed and the placement that we once knew. As you can well imagine... Some of these last comments about the theme of memory takes us to the lesson text that was read earlier tonight. Jude is a one-chapter book nestled near the close of the New Testament, but in verse 17 of that little book, Jude simply wrote that you might remember the words of the apostles. The book of Jude, as nearly as we can tell, was written several decades after Jesus was crucified, several decades after He was raised, several decades after the church was established. And yet, Jude had the power of mind to desire that those brethren to whom He wrote would remember the words of the Lord Jesus. To remember the words of the apostles, to remember the statements that they had made. I suppose that asks some questions of us. Do you and I remember those things as much as we ought? As we consider the next element of the lesson tonight, that will be a question that will recur. For now, why don't we look at the very last book in all the Bible, Revelation. As the Lord wrote those letters to the seven churches of Asia, we notice on two of those occasions there were some very penetrating, very telling, very straightforward issues First, to the church at Ephesus. This church is one that was known for a number of things, but the great matter which was their negativeness was the fact they had left their first love. In verses 4 and 5 of Revelation 2, the Savior said, Remember from where thou art fallen. They needed to remember something. And they needed to in haste to rush back to that point of faithfulness and to understand that place and appreciate that they would remember something to use that blessing of memory that God had given them and to use it in a wise way that was for their eternal and spiritual benefit. 
We notice the church in Sardis in Revelation 3. This was the church that was dead. There were some there still faithful, thankfully. There were some there that was living a name and they were wearing white robes, but there were some that were dead. It was to them that the Lord said, Remember and do the first works. They needed to remember. I wonder today, how many places around the world, if the Lord could appear visually and speak to them, how many churches would He say to them, You need to remember and do the first works. You have a name, you're living, but you're dead. Wouldn't that be a very sobering message to hear from the lips of the Master? And yet that church in Sardis heard that very word. As you and I consider near the close of that particular slide, there is a resounding warning issued in Hebrews chapter 2. As that chapter opens, I would encourage you to think briefly about the context in which that passage occurs. The Hebrew Christians were those that had known the way of the law of Moses, but they had become Christians by obeying the gospel, and as such, they had left behind the law of Moses. But they were being tempted in droves to go back to it. Because beneath that law, they didn't have the persecution they were suffering beneath Christianity. They weren't suffering in the same way that they were now. So they were tempted in huge numbers to leave Jesus behind, go back to the law of Moses. The Hebrew writer simply wrote to them in chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 and said, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every disobedience and transgression received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Isn't that still a sobering question? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The Hebrew Christians were neglecting it. They were strongly tempted to leave it behind. But he said, every transgression and disobedience received its just recompense of reward. I suspect that after hearing a very thundering and potent message like that, many of them thought twice before they left Jesus. Many of them thought twice before they went back to the law of Moses. Today, before we leave Jesus to return to the world, to go back into the pathways of iniquity, may we also think twice and realize and remember how many blessings we've enjoyed in Jesus. With all that in mind, this next slide points us to some of these observations. We have only looked at a sampling of the verses that touch upon the importance of memory, that touch upon the issues surrounding the command God has given us to remember. That does challenge us in the following way, though. You and I are able as human beings to learn so many things in life. We memorize the words of songs. How often does a song come across the radio and we can sing right along with it and never miss a word? How often are there things that take place at work and we can remember in fine detail, perhaps even extraordinary detail, things that take place, where things are found in filing cabinets or books or other issues. God has blessed us and our memories are so powerful. This lesson, among other things, challenges us to make sure we're using our memory in a way that does honor and glorify the cause of the Master, the issues related to Christianity. 
Here are some thoughts that I would like to set before us. Certainly as we think about memory, it's not so much our own personal reflections, but it's a memory of the Word of God that's so important. Each of us stand before the 31,102 verses in the Bible. And I'm sure each of us appreciate the greatness of that book. The books, the chapters, the verses. And I'm not by any means stating we should try to memorize all 31,102 verses. Likely we wouldn't be able to do that. But what about our favorite verses? Do you and I strive to implant them in our memory, in our heart? to use them on a daily basis to help us to live more godly, more righteously, more soberly for the cause of Jesus. In Psalm 119, verse number 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. In 2 Samuel 23, 2, David said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and His word was in my tongue. In Jeremiah 15, 16, Jeremiah was told by God, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. In Jeremiah 1, verse number 9, the inspired prophet on that occasion was told, Behold, I've put my words in thy mouth. We notice in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, For the which cause also thank me God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually also worketh in you that believe. Verses like those challenge us, perhaps along with the one in Psalm chapter 1. In Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Meditation on the law of the Lord day and night. Do you and I thus strive to use our memory to implant some of the thoughts in the Word of God into our heart and into our mind so that we can recall it and use it in times of difficulty or trouble? Many of us have a favorite verse. Maybe we even have a favorite chapter. And we often no doubt turn and read sections or portions of it do we try to remember some of them? So that even perhaps in a moment's reflection, we can quote to ourselves a particular thought or a verse, and that can help sustain us through a hard day, or sustain us through a difficult decision, or assist us in a hard time. The Word of God can help us do that, can't it? You'll notice that among those verses, in 2 Peter 3.18, it still reads, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. One of the things that helps us to grow is the appreciation of that Word of God. We understand in our school system, our youngsters, over the period of 13 years or more, they learn so much. Their little brains are crammed full of everything from math to English to history to science and many other subjects too. We for a moment would not question that that is intended to assist them to live a productive life of citizenship, a life of encouragement and helpfulness as they develop a career for themselves. But you and I know that this world is not our home. We should be thankful for times to study the Word and to implant some of it in our life. 
remembering where certain things are found, using those matters to help us live in a way that would be more powerful in our efforts to serve Jesus. In John 8, verse 32, the last verse I mentioned about the middle of that slide, Jesus did say, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We do know that today there is no spiritual gift that miraculously fills your mind and mine with the Word of God. It was true in the New Testament that there was a spiritual gift in which there was a supernatural knowledge mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. But with the passing away of the age of miracles, that has now gone. Today, if we know the sacred scriptures, it only comes by study. It only comes by familiarization of ourselves with it. Do we acquaint ourselves with it as we ought? As we watch each Sunday morning, all these youngsters file into the back. We certainly can be excited that they, for a little while at least, are being presented with the greatest truths in all of existence. And it's our trust that they will embed that in their mind and as plastic as their little minds are, they do remember a lot of it. But we who are older need to have a mind as plastic as theirs where we too can remember and appreciate the great lessons of truth and the marvelous lessons always to be found in it. It is true that near the bottom of that slide we find these rather interesting thoughts. In Philippians 4.8, as we think about, though the word memory doesn't occur in that verse, doesn't it help us see this? Here was a circumstance in which these Philippian brethren were admonished that if there's any virtue and if there's any praise, there are some things that you should be thinking on. What were they? Think on things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. And so that same message of inspiration comes to us. And might we ask, what is there that's more pure, more honest, more true, and more just than these? What's more pure? What's more direct than the teachings of the Word of God? May you and I then strive to perhaps use our memory to memorize more pages of Scripture, more of our favorite verses, more highlighted sections or highlighted paragraphs in the Word of God, perhaps memorizing more where things are found so that we can be a stronger servant and even a better servant in the kingdom of the blessed Savior. The last thought perhaps takes us to that famous statement from Job 23. It was true, was it, on that occasion that Job said that he esteemed the words of God more than his necessary food. If you and I consider it so, we too will look forward to those times in which we also can use our memory to assist us as we strive to be Christians. And with that, we come to the closing thought of our lesson tonight. We may summarize it all with a question, how are you and how am I using the memory that God has given us? May we not be guilty of frivolously using it, wasting it on things that were completely filled with worldliness, but rather to strive to incorporate what memory God has given us and use it to His glory, to His benefit, and to push forward the boundaries of His kingdom. Memory, it is a great blessing. How are we using that gift God has given us? Tonight, maybe some of the things we've said have prompted you to think of former days, former events, former times, former individuals you've known. If that memory has brought pleasant thoughts and feelings, thank God for those things. If, however, to your mind has come 
wasted opportunities. If to your mind has come things that have been prodigal rather than useful, why not come back to that first love? The word prodigal likely reminds us of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Here was a son, a boy. Dad gave him his inheritance just like he requested, but yet he went off and wasted it in riotous living. It is true, though, that as that story unfolded, he remembered what was happening back home. Even the servants of my father are better off than this. He is even contemplating feeding the hogs. We notice he, that memory did finally prompt him to go back home. May you and I always in haste, if it's the need of our life, to come back home. It may be that you've never become a Christian, and if not, tonight needs to be the time you first come home. The plan of salvation involves believe with all your heart Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of the sins in your life. Confess His matchless name as the Son of God and be baptized. We'd be happy to assist those latter matters. If you have become a Christian but you have not been faithful, why not remember what it was like when you first tasted the good blessing of God, Hebrews 6, verses 4 and 5. If we could assist you by prayer for things known publicly that are sinful, we'd be happy to do that. If we could help you come back to that first love tonight, following always the commandments of God, would you not let that be known and let us assist while together we stand and while we sing.